So if you haven't been here over the last uh, couple of weeks, that was Rourke Denver, my friend. Um, who, <laughs> that's an inside joke about Scott's lack of integrity. Uh, anyway, um, uh, but Rourke is a friend of mine who's a former Navy SEAL commander who served our country for over 13 years in, in special forces uh, in Africa, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Central America, all over. And, and then a couple of years ago, he and his family moved up to Evergreen. And now he and his wife and kids, they, they all go to our West Campus up in Genesee. So uh, he's been really helpful. Scott and I, uh, we sat down with him about, about a month and a half ago, several weeks before I went to Africa. And, and I said, hey, hey, Rourke, can you help us explain or, or, or can you just make some comparisons about some of the things that you've learned in in your, in your military experience, and this is not a, a military series, but any of the learnings or any of the fundamental concepts that it takes to, to prosecute a, a military war campaign, can you compare that to what, what, what Jesus has, has called us, and he's our commander, and we're kind of like, we, we've enlisted to serve him, so are there any comparisons that we can learn from what you learned and how it apply to, to Jesus and his message and his mission that he wants all people to have a chance to, and I'll use his words, not perish but have eternal life. That's, his, that's, that's his, Jesus' goal. So, so sticking with this war effort metaphor, here's what we've covered so far. Define some terms so we're all on the same page. A war, any war, don't just talk about military, but if you go to war, a war is a struggle to achieve a goal. I have a goal. I, it's not going to be easy. I've got to, it's going to be a struggle, all right? And you can, you can go to war for something or you can go to war against something. But if you decide I'm going to go to war for or against anything, it really, it's based on how you answer a question. Is it worth it? Is going to war worth it? Or in our context of what we're talking about in this series, are they worth it? Are they worth what? Worth the effort it's going to take if I have any chance, if they have any chance of achieving this thing that I think, I, I believe anyway, it's really good. And if you look at it and go, yeah, they're worth it, then, then, then this is what you do. I'm going to put some effort forward. A war effort goes like this. A war effort is a group of people. Time out is what we're going to look at today. All right. If you go to war for or against anything, it's really hard to win a war when you're fighting all by yourself. In any part of your life, all right? I'm going to go after that, good or bad, whatever that is. It's really hard to do it by yourself. So a war effort is a group of people who are willing to, and what, what's the next word there? That's really strategically, okay? And we added that into the definition last weekend, but a group of people are willing to strategically change something or mobilize something, do whatever needs to be done in order to make achieving this goal a reality. And I've decided it's worth it. It's worth it. The goal, the goal is worth it. The stakes are so high. It's so important that if I do nothing, I'd actually, I think it would be hateful to do, to do nothing. So because they're worth it, he's worth it, she's worth it, whatever that is, I'm willing to do some things that normally I wouldn't do. Historically in the past, I would never risk this. I, I'm just not that kind of person. If you would have asked me a month ago, six weeks ago, do you think you would ever say this or do this or risk this? I would go, no, that's not me. I don't do that. But what God's been teaching me is that this goal, this person in my life, I actually have decided they're worth it. And so I'm, I'm willing to do things I've never done in the past. And so if a war is a struggle to achieve a goal, Jesus makes the goal very, very clear what's at stake. Here's what Jesus taught over and over and over. He says this, this is what's at stake. Everybody is under condemnation. We've all made mistakes. We've all tried to do the right thing and we didn't do it. Uh, the Bible calls it sin. I fell short of what God wanted me to do and I've even fallen short of my own standards and the wages of that is, is death and condemnation and guilt and shame that I'll be honest, I've carried around most of my life. It's hell. Right? Separated from God. Hell is not just a place you go after you die. Hell is living separated from God. You feel like, I'm, I feel like I'm a million miles away. I don't think anything's going to change. I think I have to carry guilt and shame for the rest of my life. Hell. Jesus says this. Listen, I want, my goal is for everybody to move out of hell and condemnation and over into grace and forgiveness. And the unlimited presence of God, the unlimited power of God, the limited grace of God in, in your life. And it's not after you die Jesus says, heaven is available to you right now. The kingdom of heaven is available to you right now, meaning God's power can move into your life right now. And I need it because I have some things in my life that I've tried all my life to work out and fix and change. You know what? And I can't. On my own, it's impossible. But with God in my life, impossible things become possible. I'm facing things in my life. God says, I can jump into your life right now. Not some castle you go to after you die, after your funeral. I mean, heaven can be a part of your life right now. Jesus says, my goal is for everyone to have at least a chance to make a decision to move out of hell and condemnation and into heaven and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And then he says this, and I'm the only one, I'm the only one that can do that for a person. I'm the only one. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. And I'm the only way out of condemnation and over into God's, God's presence. And that's, this is what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. Really hard thing. Either that's true, 
And if it's true, it has to be true for everyone or it's not true for anyone because it can't be just true for some people. It's either true or it's, or it's not true. But if it's true, then it has to be true for everybody. And so, so last week we, we leaned into this marching orders that if Jesus is our commander, what does he command us to do? And this is really, really important as we look at these verses. He's not asking us to do anything. He's not looking at his people at his church and going, hey, if you have time... Could I ask you to do something? I have a request. You know, if, if it's not awkward or it doesn't get like weird or something like that. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything. He commands because he's a king. And here's the command he gives to his, his people. Jesus came and he said to them. Who's them? Us. Right? And who is us? I don't know if that's grammatically correct. Shut up. All right, all right. Who, who, is, who is us? We who say, I actually believe it. I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I, I believe he's the way to connect to the Father. That's them. That's us. Jesus came and he said to them, us, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Time out. What gives you the right, Jesus? Oh, wait, wait. You rose from the dead. You're, you're in charge. That's what gives you the authority, right? So I'm in charge. Go, therefore, because I'm in charge and you're my people. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Two weekends from today, uh, we're, we're having baptism weekend. And teaching them, and we'll talk about who them is in just a minute, to observe all that I have what? All that I've commanded you. I want you to go teach other people what I have commanded you. And behold, or I promise, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So I'm not telling you to get up out of this room and do something on your own. I will go with you. But here's what I'm telling you to do. Get up out of this room and go. Get up. Don't, don't just come in here and have this holy huddle once a week going, oh, the world's so bad, but at least we have each other. That's not church. All right? Get up out of this room and, and go. Go go where? Well, everywhere you go. Like, well, like, what does that include? Everywhere you go. Like, school? Absolutely. Work, yes. Lunch later, absolutely. Everywhere you go. And what are we supposed to do as we go? Uh, teach. Teach who? Well, eventually, maybe all the nations. Maybe eventually you're going to be that person, all right, who maybe, maybe you're going to go with me someday. You're going on an airplane. A month ago I was in Nairobi. I had like six nations represented in one room. I'm teaching nations, all right. And maybe one day you'll go and you'll do that, all right. Maybe you'll go on a mission trip with us and you go over and you'll work in our clinic over in Afghanistan. I don't know. Most of you aren't doing that this week. Anybody going to all the nations this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm staying in Denver. That's what I'm doing, all right? So, so, so go where? Well, wherever you go. How about the people that are around you all week long? I mean, eventually you might go to the other side of the planet, and there's 7 billion or so of us, all right? But I'm not talking about that right now. I'm saying that. How about the people that, like, share your last name or your address, that work at the same place you go to, that are in your, in your math class at school? Those are the people, the people you say, they're the most important people in my life. Go and teach. Teach what? Whatever Jesus has taught you. Well, I haven't been a Christian very long. He hasn't taught me very much. Well, you don't have a lot to teach, but teach that. Well, well I don't understand. Why. Whatever you're experiencing, whatever you're, you're going through with Jesus, whatever difference he's made in your life, teach that. Teach what you know and teach what you've experienced. Please don't try to teach stuff that you don't know anything about. It doesn't go well. Right? Like, so well, what, do you, what do you mean? If you go out there and go, well, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and you just go on and on and on, they're going to go, time out. Do you know what you're talking about? No, I'm making this crap up. I don't know. I don't know. If somebody asks you a question, you know, as you're talking about your story or something like that, if somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer, here's what you say back to them. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. If someone says, well, hey, can you explain this part of the Bible or, or, or this or that? Or can you defend why Christians for, for years have done this and why organized religion has done this? Can you explain that? Can you defend that? Look back and go, no, uh, that freaks me out too. I don't get it. I don't think that those people are crazy. I don't, I don't understand. So, so don't talk about that. I can't defend that. Jesus hasn't taught me about that yet. When he does, I'll pass it on. But right now, I don't know either. I think it's weird. All right? So just teach what you know. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, and I say that every week because there's a bunch of good ones in there. All right? But uh, in John chapter 9, it's written by a guy named John. All right? It's one of the biographies of Jesus. I'm not going to put it up. I'm just going to tell you the story. I love this story. Read the whole thing later. So it's John chapter 9. Jesus is walking into the city, and he comes to a gate. Such a great story, right? And, and sitting by the gate is a, is, a, is a man, and all we know about this man is he's been blind from birth, all right? And so he's of age, all right, which means he's, he's probably in his 20s or 30s, but, but he's been blind from birth, which means this, he can't live independently. So probably what happens is his parents lead him out from the house every day, sitting by the gate, give him a cup and go, beg for money, we'll come back and pick you up around six, that, right? That's, so that's his life, and it's been going on for like 20 or 30 years. He goes out there, sits him down, Puts a cup in his hand, beg for money, we'll come pick it up later. Jesus is having a discussion as he's walking into this town, and, and some of his followers look at him and go, Hey, see the blind guy? Um, why, why is he blind? 
Why, why, why is he blind? Is it because his parents were bad people and God's punishing them? Is that, is that how it works? And Jesus looks back and goes, no, that's not how it works. All right, so write that down. So my kid's not being punished because of my, no, it's not how it works. All right, so why is he blind? Well, I'm not even gonna, he said, this is what Jesus says, I'm not even gonna tell you, but watch this. And then he, he didn't even talk to the guy. So here's this blind guy just sitting there going, maybe they're gonna give me some money. They're having an argument. I don't know what it's about. All right, but he's sitting there and Jesus comes over. It doesn't speak to him at all, all right? <laughs> this is so crazy. Spits in the dirt, okay? Jesus spit, all right, all right? And then he, he makes mud out of it, takes the mud, wipes it in the guy's eyes and goes, if you wanna see, if you don't wanna be blind anymore, go to the pool of Siloam on the side of the town, wash your face and, and, and you'll see. And then he walks away. And you gotta think if you're, you're the blind guy, you're like, that, that was weird, all right? That, that was weird. That's never happened to me. No, no one has ever walked up to me, spit a loogie in the dirt, rubbed it in my face, and went, if you want to see it again, go, go wash in that pool over there. But you know what? And you got to think his buddies are going, dude, you got mud on your face. I know. I, was like, I think his name's Jesus. I don't know who it was, all right? But, well, let's go. And so they, they lead him over the other side of town, and, they, and he gets in the pool, he washes his face, you know what? And, and he can see, all right? And this freaks people out. They lose their mind. I'm like, like, hey, is that, I think that's, that's this guy sat by the gate over there. I, I think he, but he's blind, but he doesn't look like he's blind. And, and then the formerly blind guy goes like, I can hear. <laughs> I can hear everything you're saying. And, and it's me, it's me. I sat there like, well, what, how, how is it you? I don't know. What, what did he do to you? He healed me. How did he heal you? Okay, crazy day, all right, all right. My parents came and sat me down about eight o'clock. All right, I'm sitting there and I'm there for a little while. And then this man, they're having an argument over there. He comes up, I hear a spitty noise. I thought, this isn't good, all right. And there's some spit. And all of a sudden I got mud in my face. And he says, go wash your, wash your face. And I did it. I did what that guy told me to do. And now, now I can see. No, that's not true. <laughs> I, I, I can see, all right, all right. Well, how did he do it? I, I don't know. So who is he? I, I don't know. Where'd he go? I don't know. Why don't you know anything? Because the last time I was with him, I was blind. I don't know what he looks like. He sounded tall. That's all I've got. I don't, I don't know which way he went. Well, who do you think he is? I don't, a prophet? Well, he can't be good because he healed your eyes on a Saturday, and that's the Jewish Sabbath, and that's one of the big ten. He can't do any work on the Sabbath. So he's a sinner. You think he's a sinner? I don't know. Well, what do you know? This, write this down because here's, here's, he's like, I don't know what I would ever say to him. Here, here's what he says. One thing. One thing I know, about 10 minutes ago, I was blind, now I'm not. That's all I know. That's the whole scope of my theology right there, okay? I didn't go to Bible college. I've never read the Bible. I don't know what the Bible is. Hadn't been written yet. All right, I'm telling you, I don't know. I'm sitting by a gate, spit, mud, wash, ta-da. That's, that is all I know. Well, how'd he do that? How'd he do it? I already told you, if I tell you again, do you want to be his follower? That didn't go over well. They kicked him out. All right, so, all right, so it wasn't until later that this guy's wandering around town. Jesus goes and finds him that he starts to figure out who Jesus is. Now, get this, all right? This man started believing, he started having faith in Jesus after Jesus had already made a difference in his life. It is possible for Jesus to make a difference in a person's life before they buy the whole thing about him being the son of God. Jesus can jump into a person's life before, before they believe. Now, now, hold on to that. But then Jesus looks at his people, his followers, and goes, but do you believe? Do you believe me? Do you believe I am the way and the truth and the life? Because if you are, that, that puts me, all authority has been given to me. And if you're my followers, go. Go where? Well, maybe to the whole world, but right now to the people in your life that you care about and teach them what I have taught you and encourage them and invite them just to come and see for themselves because everybody deserves a chance to make up their own mind about Jesus, the real one, not the one maybe that some of us got shoved down our throats as a kid, the real Jesus, because he's good. Everybody deserves a chance to hear about Jesus. And so over the last couple weeks in here, leading up to Easter, which is a month, we're a month out from Easter weekend, and, and Easter weekend is the one weekend of the year, at least in this country, it's the one weekend of the year that if anybody is gonna say yes to your invitation to come to church, it's Easter. It's like, you know, I wanna go on Christmas. It's a family day, all right? But, but Easter, uh, okay, can we do brunch after? A absolutely. So if anybody's gonna say yes one weekend out of the year to go to church, it's probably Easter. And so we've been asking God, to bring to our mind and into our hearts the names and faces of people that we care about. I mean, we care about the whole world, all right? But I'm not talking about them right now. I'm talking about the people in my life that I say they're the most important people in my life. Bring them into my heart and into my mind. And, and here's the people God I'm asking you to bring to my mind. Well, I don't know where they stand with you. That's not being judgmental. I just, I just don't, I don't know. Or how about this? I got some people in my life like I'm related to, people that I say are the, the, my best friends in the whole world. I, I, I think I know where they stand with you. 
and it's not good. Or, or how about this? I've got some people in my life, and I don't even want to talk about heaven or hell. I just know if I could get my friend and what they're going through in their marriage or their addiction or their finances or their whatever, their kids with their parents, whatever, I just know if I could get them in a room with Jesus and Jesus could present himself and if he were to jump into their life, jump into their marriage, jump into their addiction, before they even believe that he is who he says he is, I believe I can get my friend in a room with Jesus. He, he can make a difference. And so we've been writing down names, writing down names on our program. And you know what? Uh, probably at least a third of you weren't here last week at any of our services. But, but even today, if you want to go, you know what? I've got some people I, want, I, would love, I, I would love for them to have that opportunity. Just start writing down their name, the first name on your program, and I'm going to give you a chance to turn that in here at the end of the service. But la- last week, we had, we had people write down names, relatives, families, friends, all that kind of stuff. They wrote down names, all right? And, and, and our prayer is that eventually, they possibly, between now and Easter, God would give us a chance to say, would you come and see? And they'll, they'll come and see. And so we, we collected all of those, all right? We collected all of those papers last week and all those names, all right? And campus by campus, service by service for two things. We've already begun to pray for each name on that list. And I want to tell you more about what we're going to do about. And we're also praying for you that God gives you an opportunity. But the second thing is this. We talked about the word strategically. We needed to do some things. And so we've, we've spent this whole week counting up the number of names of people, friends, family people, uh, members of your life, um, and, and just it, realistically, if, if, if they all said yes, if they all said yes, what would we be looking at? Because we're trying to invite our friends and people we care about to come and see Jesus and actually have a good experience, and possibly, here's our, here's our, our end game, right? Willing not just to come to Easter weekend, but actually to get in the car with you on the way home after Easter and say, I know I just committed to the one week, but can I come back and hear the rest of the, what he was gonna say about Jesus? And I, cause I'd love my husband to be here. I'd love my, my son to be here, and there's just no way I could get him here. But, but if, is it all right if we even come back a second time? A- absolutely. Now, I'm going to tell you the other side of this story. Um, about, about three or four weeks before I left for Africa. So back in January, Scott and I, we, we, we were sitting down and we were planning out this whole series. And we knew... You know, it's going to start on this day, and it's going to go all the way to Easter, and we were going to, we were going to focus on the, those verses of, of uh, if Jesus is our commander and he has all authority, he looks at his people and goes, if you really believe me, go, go and share your story, go and tell what God's doing in your life, and then, you know, invite somebody to come and see and make up their own mind about Jesus. So we knew that this whole thing was going to be about outreach, go and reach out to your friends and see if you can come here, all right? So, so we had the whole service planned out, we had a lot of the, of the, of the weekend talks all, all planned up leading up to Easter. But then I was riding around in my truck earlier uh, this week and I had this horrible like aha moment and it goes like this, I don't think they'll do it. I really, call it lack of faith, call it my own heart, whatever that is. But I thought we're gonna spend six or seven weeks leading up to Easter talking about what Jesus says is absolutely mission critical but we haven't made any changes or even thought about how we're gonna do Easter different if all those people actually say yes. So, this, this is me, all right? I plan to fail. And again, my own heart saying this is that people don't do that anymore. I mean, pe- people don't, in our culture, you don't bring up Jesus. You don't bring up religion. You don't invite people to, 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 to come and see anymore. It's just not politically correct. And so, so I, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I, 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 don't know if, I don't know if people will do this. And then I'm in my truck. I'm ha- I have conversations, outside, out loud conversations in my truck. Some of you have seen me at intersections like, who's he talking to? I don't know. I know I'm just talking, all right? And so I'm in my truck and I'm getting mad. I'm getting angry, all right? We're not gonna fail. We're not gonna fail. And then, and then I said out loud in my truck, and I'm gonna clean this up because there's kids in the room, all right? I, I, I went, heck no. I got mad. I went, no, we're not gonna fail. It's like a light came on. I'm like, let's do this. Let's get it done. Let's believe that God is really big and really strong and really smart. And God is about to do something so big that everybody's going to look at it and go, that, only God could do that. And I, and I believe by faith that, the, that God is going to do something on Easter weekend that I've never even experienced before. And I believe the people of Flatirons, that's us, us, those who say, I believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We're going we're gonna to get up and we're going to go love God and we're going to love people like we never have before. So Flatirons, I'm absolutely convicted that a month from this weekend, we're going to see God do something only he can do. So we've got to get strategic. All right? We have this many campuses, three, okay? And we have this many seats, all right? And we have this many parking spaces. Is it really enough for all those seats? But, and we have this many people. And wait, okay, because I'm going to tell you how many people you wrote down. 
Several dozen is what I'm saying, all right, right? And because we've decided that, you know what, my friend is worth it and, and the stakes are high and the effort. So if that's true, here's the question. In our war effort for our friends, because we've got to go to war, what do we need to strategically change? Not just change, because we need to change it. No, we need to strategically change it or move it or do it better or differently than we have in the past so that the goal of our friend experiencing Jesus in a positive way actually happens, becomes possible. We're about to go to war. Can we win it? Can we win this war? And the answer is, what needs to change? A lot. Flatterings. We gotta change a lot of things. And not just like, a, you mean minor tweak and we might have to be inconvenienced. No, no, no. We have to overhaul everything around here at Flatterings. Let me go back to what Rourke said in the opening video. We're gonna have to remaneuver our entire force if we're gonna be ready to love and take care of the people that God is about to bring to this place. People, what do you mean? People that you really care about. People that you want, I wanna know that they're fine with God. I want to know on this side of their funeral that God is right in the middle of whatever it is that they are, they are wrestling through. We have a lot to do. Jesus told this parable. It's a metaphor. It lines up with what we do all the time around Flatirons at all of our campuses, but especially looking to, to Easter. So here's the, the parable he tells. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he, will that king not first sit down and consider? So that king, if he's a smart king, hey, king, before you go to war, you, you need to think about this. And consider whether he's able with 10,000 men, so I've got 10,000 men, am I able to oppose the one coming against me with 20,000 men? So I got 10,000, they got 20,000. Is this going to work? And if he is not able to overcome the 20, he will send a, del- this is what a smart king would do, he would send a delegation while the other 20,000 is still a long way off and, and, and will ask for terms of peace. This is what Jesus is teaching. Hey, before you bite off more than you can chew, time out. You got to think about it. Do you really want to do this? Do you want to really, really, really go after this? Do you really think it is, it is, is wise? Do you think that we can actually win this battle? Because if so, you need to devise a strategy. And if you don't think it's possible, then don't do it at all because you could actually make it worse. If all of our friends show up here and we have not even thought about what we need to do to take better care of them, they will have a horrible experience, ready, with Jesus. Right? If we're not willing to do that. So if, if we really are willing to go into battle which we are, I'm fired up, I'm ready to go to war for some people I really care about. And we decide the battle is worth it because we're fighting for God and for some people that both God and us, we love. If that's true, here's what we need to do. Have you ever seen one of those, those war movies where all these generals and admirals and stuff, they're, they're, they have a big table spread out in front of them and it's got like all these little models on it and mountains and, and, and then there's little boats and there's people and there's tanks and there's airplanes, right? And then they have one of those pushy, break things and they go, so these people need to go around here and then these need people going here. Then we're gonna bring in the airplanes over here and then we're gonna go right down the middle of here and that's our strategy to win the war, right? Right, so keep that in mind. So, so Flatters, if we're gonna go to war for our friends, here's what we're looking at for Easter. So last week, campus by campus and service time by service time, you wrote down some names of people that you say I care about and you asked God to give you an opportunity between now and Easter to say come and see. So, I'm going to give you the amount of people you wrote down. And if you're one of those people trying to guess what it is, so four services at Lafayette, two at Genesee, two up in Denver, go ahead and write that number down in the corner. Let's just see over under how you do, okay? So, so here's the number of people that, uh, that you all wrote down. So, let's start at Lafayette, and then we'll go to Denver and then to the west, okay? So, in Lafayette, where I'm standing right now, all right, this room I'm standing in has 4,333 chairs, Okay, and um, we can rent some folding chairs. We can put 2,000 more people out in the lobby, which twice on Christmas uh, Eve we had to do. We had 2,000 people out, out in the lobby. Okay, so, so keep that number in mind because that doesn't change. Fire code, that's all we can do. All right, so now, 4 o'clock, the 4 o'clock service on, Friday, on Saturday night here at Lafayette said, well, we're going to bring 8,863 of our friends. It gets so much worse, all right? Um, <laughs> Or better, right? The six o'clock service on Saturday night says, well, we're gonna bring 8,926 people to the six o'clock service with us. Then the nine o'clock service said this, well, we're gonna bring 8,293 people of our friends, people we really, really care about. We're gonna bring them to church with us on Easter Sunday morning at nine. And, in, and the 11 o'clock service, and you know who you are, you said, yeah, well, we're gonna show everybody. I don't know what you were on last weekend, but here's what, here's what you wrote. Yeah, well, we're gonna bring 13,179 people that we care about to this building. Now wait, what, what? I don't know why you're clapping because you know what? That hasn't changed. Should we bring pillows? What, I don't, I don't, right. 
Okay, so that's this campus. Let's go to Denver. Okay, Denver, all right? They have 400 you know, capacity in, in, in their auditorium. And, and Zach says they can put another 100 in the lobby out there. So the 9 o'clock says, that, that's not good enough because we're going to bring 1,053 of our friends to the 9 o'clock service, all right? And the 11 o'clock says, well, that's nothing. We're going to bring 1,399 people with us. Now, West uh, up in Genesee on I-70 said this, well, our, our, our campus has 856 chairs. And then Jesse says, we can put 200 more in the lobby and then down in the basement lobby, all right? So... Nine o'clock says, well, we're going to bring 1,304 people with us to church next week or on Easter Sunday uh, at nine o'clock. And 11 o'clock says, well, we're going to double that. We're going to bring 2,112 people with us. Now, that's, you got to think about this. This is people, some of you trying to do math, just wait, all right? These are people that don't yet go to church either here or anywhere. I, I, you want them because you love them and you care about them. I just want them to have a chance to, to bump into Jesus, okay? So let's go back, because those are people on top of the people that are already planning on coming on Easter. Okay, so let's go back and let's put those numbers alongside with the, the, the people that were here last Easter, because this is an addition to that, okay? So here at the Lafayette campus, we added two services. The noon service, we had 3,402 people show up. The two o'clock service, we had 3,469 people show up. Now, the four o'clock service that's gonna bring 8,863 friends with them, we added attendance of 4,804 people. The six o'clock people had, service had 4,498 people. The nine o'clock service had 5,876 people. And last year on Easter morning at 11 o'clock, we had 7,447 people here at the Lafayette campus, and they're going to bring some friends. <laughs> Denver, okay? Denver, so last, last year at Easter, they were down at the Paramount Theater. They only had one service, but they had 684 people show up at that. Currently, the, the Denver campus in their, new, in their new place, they're averaging 888 people a weekend. So let's, we don't have a, a comparison. Let's just say divided in half, 444 people at each services. On top of the people they're going to bring. West Campus up on I-70, all right? Um, they added a Saturday night service uh, at, at 6 o'clock. They had 813 people show up to that on Saturday night. The 9 o'clock service had 859 people show up. And the 11 o'clock service had two, or 1,103 people show up. So let's do some math. You all think this is water. <clears throat> it was last night. It's not today. All right, but anyway. Last year, our three campuses, you totaled it all up. Our, last year, our Easter attendance was 33,000 people, okay, all right? Now, which is twice the size of the town I grew up in, almost three times, all right? Now, you 33,000 people have indicated, we're going to bring some folks with us. And so if you take all the names that were written down last weekend, you're going to bring an additional 45,139 people with you. So get your calculators out. 33,000 plus 45,139 equals 78,139 people might show up in a month. All right? And some of you are going, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? <laughs> but let's, let's be realistic, okay? Let's be realistic. So you wrote down a bunch of names. They're not all going to say yes. They're not. That's, that's reality, okay? So let's, 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 you know, let's, let's bring our faith level down a little bit here, all right? Let's just say that four out of five say no. Four out of five. 80% of the people you put on that list go, I told you already, no, get out of my face, pound sand, get out of my yard, don't ask me again about the whole church thing. I'm not going to go. So let's say four out of five say, no, it's always going to be no. But let's just say one out of the five people say yes. Just one out of five people, just 20% of the 45,000, all right? If you put that on top of last year's attendance, that means that we're going to have 42,000 people show up for Easter. And, and again, some of you are going, that would be so great. Would it? Because you don't know what you're talking about. I'm just telling you, all right? I, I'm going to show you what you're talking about, okay? So here we go. Let's just do some math, all right? I'm going to start here at the Lafayette campus. I'm going to show you where they'll probably sit, okay? So don't look at the screen. Uh, don't look at me. All right, so, all right? So last year, okay, at all four of our services here at Lafayette, almost half the people that showed up never got into this room. They didn't get in this room. They were either out in the lobby or they, they got as far as Good Sam Hospital. And then you know what? They just said, screw it, I'm going home. And they went home or they went to Chili's or something bad like that. But anyway, so, so, so they did that. Sorry for all you Chili's. Anyway, but anyway, right? So, so this, is what, this is what our friends are looking at if they come to Lafayette, okay? If they come to the 4 o'clock service, you know, we had 4,804 people here last, last year, right? right? And then they're going to bring 8,800 
A lot more people. And then at 6 o'clock, we had 4,500 people here, and they're going to bring almost 9,000 more people with them. And then at the 9 o'clock service, we had 5,800 people here, and they're going to bring 8,200 people with them. And then at the 11 o'clock, we had 7,447 people. They're going to bring another 13,000. Hey, how are you doing? Good seats, couch, awesome. All right, so, all right, now listen. That's 20,000 people going to show up at this campus at 11 o'clock. All right, now, if they, hey, if, they, if they make it in the building, if they get down 287 or if they get in from Highway 7, you know, maybe, all right, and they get into this building, into this lobby, this is really the best they're going to hope for. They'll probably sit like here, here. And you know what? This, um, I'm going to be really, really honest with you, sucks, all right? This is a bad seat. I'll give you an example. Hi, welcome to Flatirons. Happy Easter. So parking lots went well. No, no, okay. Um, we're going to work on that. So, um, so how do you like the service so far? Yeah? Can't see. Can't, can't see? Oh, that's because you're a half a mile from... Hold on, all right? So guest services, we're going to help you out. So guest services, we're going to buy 10,000 pairs of binoculars for all the people a- out here. So if you look like through, past the couches, all right, around the fireplace, dude, get out of the way, all right? And then, I'm sorry, there's a pillar in the way. Right? And look through that door, you can almost see the side of the screen, right? So glad to have you here at Flatirons. Hope you enjoy your experience. Do you understand the disaster that's about to happen? Because this is not a good experience. Because between here and that door, there's at least 2,000 people sitting saying, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought it was going to be about. And that's just this campus. That, that's just this campus. Let's just, let's just move to the, uh, the West Campus, all right? So they have a capacity of 856, all right? Um, but at the 9 o'clock, they're going to bring 1,300 more people with them. At the 11 o'clock, they're going to bring 2,000 more people with them. So I'm going to be honest with you, West, all right? If you're going to bring your friends to Easter at the 9 or the 11 o'clock service, um, they're probably not going to get in the building. The closest they'll probably sit probably looks like this. Yeah, that's I-70. You know, and you know, obviously, we're, we're kidding there. We're not going to sit on the interstate. That would be rude. Uh, here comes a truck. All right, so we'll probably, we'll probably put you up on the, inter- on the overpass. That would probably work a little better. Lovely view. Lovely view there, right? So watch out for the milk truck. All right, so, so that, that really, if you're going to come to the 9 or 11 o'clock service up at the West Campus, that's probably what you're looking at. I mean... Welcome to the lobby, right? It gets so much worse on Easter. That's all I'm saying. Now, all right, let's just talk about downtown Denver, okay? Denver, at 9 o'clock, you're going to have 1,500 people try to cram into a, an auditorium that seats four, 400, all right? And then at 11 o'clock, you're planning on having uh, 2,000 people in a room that seats 400. So I'm just telling you, if you're planning on bringing your friends to either the 9 or the 11 o'clock service at the Denver campus on Easter Sunday, you're not getting in the building. I hope it's warm weather because this is probably where you'll sit. Right there. Right there. You know, and that's, you know what, you can call that a lot of things. Oh, watch out for the Subaru. I'm just telling you, that's not a good seat. You probably aren't going to get that good of a seat, really. If the congestion and, the, and the, the roadblock down there, you're probably going to be several blocks away. You'll probably sit closer to something like this. Yeah, that's actually two blocks from our Denver campus. And some of you are going, I've been there. That's, uh, that's, uh. you know, there's a bright, some of you say, what is that? Good for you. Good for <laughs> Good for, I don't know what that is, but, you know, um, we're going to talk to them, see if they have an Easter sale. I don't know what they're going to do. And um, so when did you start doing drugs? Easter at Flatirons. It was just. Do you, do you see what we're about to invite our friends into? Unless something changes. Unless we sacrificially and strategically say, you know what, I'm going to give up that because that's more valuable. I'm going to do this differently than I've ever done before because I have someone in my head that I'm thinking about, and they will not put up with that. They will look at it one time. I got, I got a, an email from a lady uh, this week who said she prayed for years. Her husband would finally come to church, and finally he said, yeah, I'll go Christmas. And so she prayed and prayed. She said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. They, they, got, they got the Christmas service. There weren't any seats left. He, he stood on the back wall all by himself. His, his two daughters were in a, like 10 rows up, and they sat by themselves. And then she sat, in a, the, the mom, the wife sat in a section all by herself, way away from her husband. And she cried all the way through the service saying, God, this is, what, this is what I brought him to. And when they got back in the car on the way home, he just looked over and said, I'm not ever going to do that again. 
This is not hypothetical. These are people we care about. See, I, I know who I'm thinking about. I'm not gonna tell you their names right now. I'm just telling you, they, their marriage has about five minutes left unless Jesus himself jumps in the middle of it. Otherwise, they're not gonna make Easter at all. I'm, I'm holding on, they can make it to Easter. I, Jesus is gonna have to do something. We'll talk more about that. So we're gonna do some things different, all right? First of all, you know, and I'm gonna be honest with you, some of, the, some of you, you're gonna know who the, the longtime Christians are. They're gonna be in the room. They're the ones gonna have veins starting to stick out their head and go, I don't like this. All right, okay, all right, good. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. Every, every Easter, we do communion as a central part of our Easter service. We're not gonna do that this year. We're gonna take communion and we're gonna move it to Thursday night. So at all of our campuses at six o'clock, or at noon on Thursday to noon on Friday, 24 hours, we're gonna have a communion room and a prayer room at all of our campuses. You can go there in the middle of the night, you can go there on your way to work, on your way home from work, you can do that. And then all those names of all those people that you wrote down, they will be there. And for 24 hours, we're gonna pray for the people on that list and also for you who wrote those people, people's names down. Now, here's what some of the people are, are going. Why would you do communion on a Thursday? Ready? Because that's when the first one happened. What? Oh, think about this, all right? So on Passover evening, Jesus got his disciples in an upper room and they did the Passover meal and he gave it new meaning. Here's some bread. It represents my body. It, it used to represent manna, right? Now it represents my body. And here's wine and it represents my blood. And they all look back and goes, what are you talking about? And he said, pay attention. It'll make sense on Sunday. So we're gonna do what Jesus did. We're gonna take the Lord's Supper at any of our campuses. It'll be in all of our auditoriums like it always is on Easter weekend, but, but we're gonna have communion at, on Thursday at noon, all the way through Friday at noon, 24-hour prayer service, and you can stop by there. Jesus left that room, went out, spent the whole night in prayer, right? And then they crucified him. So we're, we're gonna do that, and we're gonna pray for all, all of our friends. So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna have communion and prayer 24 hours beginning on Thursday at noon. Second thing is, all right, given the numbers that we're talking about, um, we're gonna double the number of Easter services that we normally offer every weekend around here, all right? So here, here's what I mean by that. Uh, we're gonna start Easter services on Friday. So at six o'clock at all of our campuses, we're gonna have an Easter service. It's not a good Friday service, it's an Easter service. Well, are you going to do a different service for Thursday and a different for Friday? Maybe a different one? No, no. We do one service at, at Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So all campuses will have a 6 o'clock service. Saturday, all right, we're going to add services at the Lafayette campus. We're going to start at 10 in the morning, 10, 12, 2, and then we're going to have our 4 o'clock and our 6 o'clock. The 6 o'clock will be at all of our campuses. And then at Sunday, all right, we're going to have the, the 9 and the 11 at all of our campuses, just like we, we normally do, except they'll be really, really crowded. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a strategy all right, and let me just say it before I even, even bring this up, the determining factor about which service you go to at which campus, at which time, whatever, the, 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 the most important thing when you try to figure that out is when is my friend willing to come? So as I look at, it and you, at what we're gonna do here and you go, you know, I, I, I indicated that we were gonna come at the, at the, at the six o'clock service on Saturday, but then this is what's gonna happen. Your friend that you've been praying for, for for a month, they're gonna call you on Thursday and go, hey, we won our baseball tournament. We actually have a game now on Saturday. Can we go to a different service? Here's the answer, yes. Yes, but, but, but we already told the church that we were coming at this already. All right, change it. All right, because they are more important. More important, no. So whatever is important to your guest trumps anything else I'm about to say. Now, having said that, all right, I'm gonna ask all of you to do, and this is all gonna be on our website later, okay, but all of you who say, you know, I'm, I'm gonna come to one of those 16 Easter services, all right, and whether you're bringing a friend or not, here's what I'm asking you to do, right? On Sunday, April 1st, which is two weeks from today, it's also baptism weekend, all right? At three o'clock, something's gonna go up on our website. I want you to get on there, and between then and Easter, I want you to indicate There'll be, be really clear directions. Which campus on Easter weekend you're going to attend? Which service at that campus you're planning on attending? And the number of people you're planning on bringing with you. Now, this is really, really important because, you know, as you put that on there, there's going to be some type of coding in there going, well, that service has a lot of room, lots of seats left, all right? That service doesn't have as much. That service, wear deodorant. That service, um, you're going to sit on someone's lap, so put on your makeup. Whatever that is, all right? So, so we're going to get really, really close. And so... This is what we're, we're hoping to do. So you're gonna get on there and you're gonna go, I'm at this campus, I'm at this service, and we're gonna bring eight people with us. Now, here's what you need to do, all right? You need to communicate with one another, all right? Because here's what you're gonna do. So, so you're sitting here, but your wife came in the early service, and you're gonna write down, um, so we're gonna come at the four o'clock, and we're gonna bring 10 people with us. But she's at another, another service. She goes, we're gonna come at the four o'clock, and we're gonna bring 10 people with us. And that's 20 people. Now we have a bunch of seats. They're taken up, all right? And then my friend can't come. 
Right, because I'm going to look at them and go, they're, they're over capacity. So we need to communicate. So get on the website in two weeks from today and indicate, we're going to go to this campus, we're planning on going to this service, and this is how many people that were coming, uh, are coming with us. And then you can get on there and go, look at that service. They're over capacity. And my friend won't put up with it. He just won't. My dad won't put up with that. What if we jump to this service? Because it looks like they have room. All right, so that's a plan. And we, 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 we kicked around all these ideas. We talked to other churches. How do you do stuff like this? And some churches said this. We hand out free tickets to each one of our services. And you have to have a, a ticket to get in. But you know what? That just feels creepy. That just feels so weird. And I know some of you all. All right, some of you all. You, here's what you're going to do. You're going to get your ticket, and you're going to show up going, I got a ticket. And they're going to say, there aren't any seats left. And you're going to go, I don't care if Jesus rose from the dead or not. That's my seat, and you're going to go have a fight, and it's just a bad witness. So, so we're not going to do that, but we are going to do some very, very intentional things, all right, if you'll be honest about it. And Jesus is watching. All right, so this is the part where Christians are going to start getting angrier and angrier and angrier, okay? But those of us who actually have people in our life that we care about that don't know Jesus yet, we're going to get so happy, all right? And uh, here, here we go. First thing, we're going to reserve the best parking spots in all of our lots closest to the building, the best parking spots spots for those cars containing guests who are here for the first or second time. We're going to do that. All, uh, as you approach all of our campuses, there's going to be signs going, turn on your flashers if, if you have a first or second time visitor with you. And then our guest services team will go, oh, come on. You can go right up to the front, real up cl- close to the door. And then here's what's going to really tick some Christians off. All right, all right. And then we're going to block out seats, the best seats in the house in all three of our auditoriums for the guests that park in that, that, that lot. We're gonna hold those seats open for up, up until 10 minutes before the start. Now here's why a lot of Christians are going, that's not, that's not fair. That's not, because you know what? I, that's my parking space. And you know, I wait outside that door and they say, okay, it's okay to go in. It's like a who concert. And I'm checking people into the seats because that is my seat. And I don't care. And you know what? And I'm just telling you, all right? Some of you already got a plan. I'm turning on my flashers anyway. I'm a lie, all right? Okay. <laughs> Okay. You should read your Bible because <laughs> I found about 10 stories in there where people lied and it did not go well when they went face to face with Jesus, okay? All right, so, so listen, some of, you, some of us, and I'm, again, I'm just talking to Christians going, this is my church, I come here all the time. This is what a lot of us do. On Easter, we, we, we like what happens on, all, on any of the, of the auditoriums. You know what we do? We'll sit through two or three, all right? And if that's you, not this, not this time. I need you to promise that I will sit through an audit, in an auditorium one time, unless I have visitors with me three services, then I'm gonna come right to the front, right? But I'm only gonna sit through the auditorium service one time, and after that, I'm gonna wait outside until, to see if there's seats because I'm just telling you, if my friend and his wife can't find a seat because you're sitting there for the third time, their marriage is over. So let me just say this. It's not about you, Christian. Repeat that after me. It's not about me. See, that was very noncommittal. That was like, uh, I tithe here. I'm telling you, it might a little bit it's about me. All right, shut up. All right, listen, all right? Repeat after me. It's not about me. It's about some people I love finding Jesus for the first time. Can you agree with me on that? It's not about us anymore. See, hey, listen, all right? Some of you are just looking at me right now and going, listen, hey, hey, Christian, you know what? You're saved. You're as forgiven as you're gonna be. You have grace covering you right now. You have the Holy Spirit available to you right now. As a matter of fact, right now, if you're going through something in your life, you can say, Jesus, will you help me? And he'll say, yeah, I've taken all the division away. What can I do? How much power do you need to get through this? But you know what? My friend doesn't know Jesus. And so he's trying to work out his marriage on his own. And on our own, it is impossible. But with God, here we go, all things are possible. I just want my friend to have a chance. All right, so Christians, I need you to serve my friend because I love him a, 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 a lot. Okay, now, all right? So we're gonna have a lot of services, and over time, I, I, I don't care. All right, so, all right, so a few weeks ago I said this. You can belong here before you believe everything. And some of you know, you've been coming a little while, you've come a long time. Some of you believe some stuff. Some of you go, I, mean, I believe most stuff Jim says. Scott, I don't know so much about that. But anyway, I'm just saying, <laughs> right? So, so you, can, you can belong here and say, this is my church, even before you believe everything. All right, welcome. We're, we're glad you're here. You got to work some stuff out with God. Go at your own pace, all right? That certainly applies to serving. You can serve here before you believe everything as well. You know, some places, obviously, you can't serve in certain roles, but, but there's a lot of things. So here's what I'm asking you to do, all right? If you're, if you're one of those people, you go, this is my church. 
This is my church, all right? And I don't know where you are on your belief system, but here, when I, here's our standard. This is my standard. I just came up with it, all right? You can call this your church if you've been here, I don't know, four or five times. You're in, okay? We have very low standards here. Look, all right? I mean, I, really, if God's doing something in your life and he's using this place one of our campuses to do that, then, then call it home. And you, but we need you, if you've been sitting here for a long time, to help us love our friends well. And so I want you to get on uh, the website or I want you to go stop at one of the information centers on your way out and say, where do you need me? And here's where we need you. Parking lots, traffic direction, guest services, hospitality, facilities. You know, I, I don't know where I'm with God, but I can set some stuff up. I can tear, tear some stuff down. I can clean some stuff, some stuff up. I can hand some stuff out. We need you to work in kids ministry. A lot of you, you know, so one, about one fourth of our attendance is under fifth grade. That's a lot, that's a lot of kids. And we need some of you who have never worked in kids ministry before to go to the information center and go, where do you need me? Some of you that used to do it, but then your life took a different season. I need you to sign up for one more weekend. When? April 15th and 16th. We, we, we need your help. I need, it's time to fight. It's, it's time to go to war. Now, I'm gonna give you one more strategy. It's really, really, really important. And then we're gonna end our service a different way that I've been planning since we were back in Africa last month. It goes like this. If we really believe by faith that God is about to do something in the life of this church that we've never seen before, and he's about to draw a lot of people here, a lot of people that he cares about and that we care about, and we really do believe, if, if, if my friend could just get in a room with Jesus, I mean, there's a story in the Bible that ripped a roof off and went, just get my friend down there in front of Jesus. If, if you'll move heaven and earth to get my friend in a room with Jesus, I think his or her life could actually change. If we believe that and we do what we do well around here, and that's take care of people, our friend is going to come, they're going to bump into Jesus, and then they're going to say, I don't want to leave. Can I keep on coming? So we had this plan for a long time. We need to, we need to, we've always planned on, on starting more and more and more campuses all over, all over Colorado, but I think we need to do it sooner rather than later. And so sooner looks like this. We, we've gone and we've done a bunch of research. Uh, we need to start two campuses like right away. Well, how, how soon is that? As soon as possible. So if you live in the following areas, and some of you are gonna, you're going to get mad going, well, what about my area? I don't know. I don't know. So if you live in the North Longmont or the Loveland area and you drive down every weekend, or you live in the, the Highlands Ranch area or the Parker area and you drive the hour, hour and 15 minutes up here, right? If you live in one of those two communities, here's what I'm asking. If you know of an empty church building that has a for sale sign, like the one that we just bought down in Denver, maybe you, you have some connection, you know of a school auditorium or a gym that has some other space that we could trick out for our kids' ministry and we could rent that or buy that or whatever that is to launch a new, a new campus as soon as possible, I need you to contact our executive pastor. His name is Paul Bruner. He's on the website, on the staff page, right? And let him know, hey, I know about this property and here's my connection and here's my influence. What do you mean? I know about this school auditorium and the reason I know about it is I'm the principal, I got pull. All right, yeah, all right. Or I know about this church that's for sale. They, they don't know. I'm the pastor. It's not going well, but we'll sell, right, right? So <laughs> if that, <laughs> some of you, you all have stories like that happened. That actually happened in my town, right? But so, so I need you to contact Paul and we're gonna, we're gonna get on it right away because we wanna start new, I, I wanna start those campuses this year. And you know what, here's the other thing, all right? And my, my finance guy's right down here. He's gonna kill me later, but you know what? You know why we can do that? this? Because you guys have grown so much and you're so faithful with your money. We could start those tomorrow if we had the space and we had the people to do it. We really, really, we really could. Now, now here's how we're gonna do it. Again, and I have been thinking about this. I've been thinking about this since way back in, uh, in, in February when I was in Africa, all right? So I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Nairobi last, last, last month, and I'm sitting there with about 400 men from six, seven different countries, and we start singing the song that we just sang, we just taught you a minute ago. Here are the lyrics to that song. It goes like this. I'm no longer a slave to fear. But do you remember when you were? Do you remember when your past owned you? Do you remember when what happened to you defined you? Do you remember when, when you, know, you tried to break that and I don't want to think about that anymore and that's not a big deal anymore, but every once in a while it would just reach out and it would grab you and you, it, you were a slave to what happened in your life. And, and then, then for some reason, I don't know, God rearranged the universe in such a way that you got to meet Jesus and he set you free from that. Now there's still memories and pain and scars and you're not completely healed, but it, it doesn't own you anymore, remember, right? I am a, now I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a what, remember? A child of God. There's a line in that song, I just love it. It says this, it says, hey, hey God, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. Do you remember uh, last summer, Ben stood up here and he talked about, I'm in a faith crisis. I don't know if I even believe in God anymore, all right? And, and he's, he's like, I feel like Moses and I step up to the, to the sea and I, and I look at God and go, God, you gotta do something. 
and get me to the other side of this because if not, I'm just gonna die right here. Have you ever felt like that before? God, I'm in a place in my life that if you don't open it up and get me to the other side of it, I will drown right here. He split the sea so I can walk right through it. He drowned my fear in perfect love. He rescued me so I can stand and sing, I am a child of God. So we're gonna sing that for ourselves, but here's what I want us to do, okay? So here's, I don't know, here's 15,000 of those names. Um, so Grace and Josh might show up. Someone in this room probably wrote that. Michelle might show up. My boys. Javier, Javier, he might show up. Robert might show up. So here's what I want you to do, all right? And I'm gonna spread these out, all right? But, and if you have written down names in this service, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. As we sing this song, will you come up here and put them on the front of the stage so we can begin to pray for them too, all right? But, but here's, here's what we're gonna pray. I, we're, we're gonna sing this song maybe in a different way than we've ever sang a song before. You can sing it for yourself if you need to sing it for yourself. But here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Would you prophetically sing it Believing that on Easter, we're gonna sing this song on Easter. I haven't told the band yet, but we are, all right? Um, can you just close your eyes and picture your friend or your dad or your brother or your son or your neighbor or whoever it is that is on your list? I want you to just look ahead one month and picture them standing there beside you and you look over going, oh, I wonder what they thought, I wonder what they thought. And then you look over and they sing this song and there's a tear running down their eyes because they're finally going, you know what? I am, I'm free. Your son is finally free. Your marriage actually might work out because you actually believe for the first time in a long time, they believe they are a child of God. So, so stand up, all three of our camps, let's stand up. And as we sing this song, I, you can think about yourself if you want, but I want you to picture whoever's name you wrote on this, on this paper, that one day, a month from now, they're gonna stand in a room like this at one of our campuses and they're actually gonna believe for the first time that my life is not over, my past does not define me, I've been set free and I'm a child of God. Do you believe that could happen? By faith, I say it's gonna happen, all right? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring these names before you. You know every name, you know every relationship, you know every hurt, every burden, every broken part of their life. You know all the parts of it. And you say, I've been waiting for Jared to show up. I've been waiting for Joanne to say yes to an invitation. And Mike, he's, he's gonna say yes this year. He said yes every other time, or no every other. And you know what, Sharon's gonna come finally and, and Jesus, you've prepared everything. And so we're just gonna get up out of this room. We're gonna go in your name. We're gonna share a little bit of our story and we're gonna believe by faith that they're gonna stand beside us maybe in a month and go, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I get to stand right now for the first time in my life and say, I'm a child of God. We believe that and we sing that by faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.